Something New is supported by listeners like you. Visit joelbnew.com and help this podcast continue to grow, thrive, and be a part of the creative conversation. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to, I believe in the grand tally, is episode 91 of Something New, a musical theater podcast. I'm your host, Joel B. New. How's everybody doing? I am out walking the dog, as I'm seeming to be prone to be doing, as I deliver my opening monologue. Walking down the streets of Brooklyn, enjoying this spring-ish weather. How's everybody been? It's been a couple of weeks. I know I am late in getting you a new episode, which I apologize for. Let's see, I am recording this on a Saturday night. I just started my first day uh, at my second job, where I am teaching musical theater songs to children at a school based in Brooklyn. And it's so cool. It also means that I am listening to myself talk for hours, in addition to singing and listening to kids sing and all the cool things that come with being an educator of, of the young. But man, I talk. I talked a lot today. And I just finished editing the hour-long seminar that you're about to listen to, and now I'm delivering this monologue. So I gotta be honest with you, I am I am a little tired of hearing my voice. <laughs> Hopefully you're not, because you just got to the monologue. There is a whole episode of seminar goodness coming your way. Yeah, so I guess I should tell you what you're about to listen to. So I don't have a guest this week. This is a special episode. They're all special, but this is a special, special episode where a couple of weeks ago I was invited to give a talk at NYU's Graduate Musical Theater Writing Program at Tisch, of which I am an alum. But I was invited to give a talk at the Alumni Weekend about podcasting because I've been at it for so long um, apparently I've learned some things and and I so that's what I did and I thought it'd be fun and meta to record said lecture or seminar or whatever you want to call it and make it the next episode of my podcast because that's what the podcast is all about it's about not necessarily creating extra work, but about exposing a creative process that is already in progress. I did learn, while editing an hour-long talk, where I basically didn't stop talking, where there were no, where there was no guest to take most of the conversation or to interrupt me, that I say um a lot and I say so as like a sequitur and a non sequitur like I would just um and so left and right so get ready for that and yes I did that so on purpose I couldn't believe it there were just so many of them that it started to feel impossible to edit it or it would take hours and hours to take out all the ums and the so's instead we're just going to keep it real We're keeping it real, and I am trying my darndest during this monologue to not give you an um or so. How am I doing so far? Let's see, what else did I want to tell you? Told you about my verbal quirks in this coming episode. Also, in this uh, episode that you're about to listen to, I refer to a handout. If you want a PDF of the handout that I am referring to in the episode, if that would be helpful to you as you are considering starting your own podcast or you just like collecting PDFs, please reach out to me via the social media or on joelbnew.com and I will personally email you 
a copy of said handout. You're welcome for free. I would also like to take this opportunity to thank the Graduate Musical Theater Writing Program for having me, especially Danny Larson, who was instrumental in organizing that whole alumni weekend. I can't imagine how much work that was. Um, the whole weekend... Oh, I said, um, damn it. The weekend was a really lovely excuse for alums to reunite and see each other, go back to school, teach each other what we've learned since we graduated, and meet new friends who have also gone through the program and have had other experiences. It was really cool. So thank you to... Uh, damn it, NYU, and thank you to Danny Larson. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed giving it. Strider, don't smell that. What else did I want to tell you? If you've been listening to the podcast over the past five years and you haven't made your way over to iTunes to give it a rating or a review, now is the time. Let's let iTunes know of my loyal fan base, because I know who you are, and I adore you all. I just want the iTunes algorithm to be made aware of it, so that our little, our little family of podcast people can grow and thrive and be a part of the creative conversation. Yes, I just quoted myself. You have until early June, I believe, to ask me questions via social media to be answered here on the podcast and then in early June I'm going to cut that off you can still ask questions but it's only between now and early June that you are would be eligible to put your name in the drawing to receive your very own something new podcast mug which up till now has been a podcast guest exclusive so ask me some questions I am ready and I'm here and happy to serve and teach you what I know or just tell you some dorky anecdote that you might want to hear. Or maybe you want to know which program was my favorite on the Disney afternoon back in the early 90s. It was Darkwing Duck. Lastly, there is an update to season five that you should all be made aware of. Due to a number of things, especially but not limited to overextending myself, season five is going to be cut a little short. I know, I'm disappointed too, because, you know, I like... I like to make my goals, and I like to meet them, and I instinctively, reflexively feel like a failure when I don't meet those goals, especially the ones that I can control, or that I think I can control. But I'm trying to be a little kinder to myself, a little more realistic with what my expectations are for myself. And there's just a lot going on. um, A lot of it is really good. Like, life stuff is going, is great. And the creative stuff is also great. There's just a lot on the plate and a lot on the horizon. I'm uh, developing, I'm in the process of developing not one, but two more podcasts that if I didn't end this season sooner, we'd be running in tandem. And that's crazy. I know people who do it. People do it. Beyonce has the same 24 hours in the day. But you know what? I'm not Beyonce. Breaking news. And now, you don't have to ask that question to enter the contest. Joel, are you Beyonce? No, not. Not Beyonce. Sorry. I'm just Joel. So in an effort to direct my energy in a more focused manner, I will be cutting off this season a few episodes early, which, if I go according to my new schedule, will take us through late August for the season finale. Which, if I do my math correctly, the season 5 finale will also be... Are you ready for this? The 100th episode of something new. How cool is that? Like, that's... That's cool. That's that's the math I like. It's crazy that I've done this a hundred times. And that includes 
let's get real. That includes like mini-sodes, and that includes like my blog episodes. It's everything. So if you're looking on iTunes, you will see like this is the 91st entry that I've made. And this season will conclude on 100. You're still getting some, like, I have some really cool guests lined up. I've got some great songs in the works, in my head, (laughs) I hope. Um, Damn it, there's an um. I'm still planning a roundtable. The roundtable lineup is TBA, and honestly, TBD. And we will conclude the season with a concert. Where that concert will be, that remains to be seen. Will we live stream it? Will it be at a venue? Will it be live streamed from a venue? These are the questions that I want you to ponder and maybe ask me via social media and enter your name in the drawing to win your very own podcast mug. Have I plugged that enough? (laughs) We are in Prospect Park right now, which is beautiful. There is a lake and the sun is setting. It's just, it feels like fall and it's spring technically. I mean, like, the weather is all... The world's all sorts of messed up in a lot of places. The weather seems to be following suit. There's a lot of beauty out there, too, if you want to see it. I think that about wraps it up for my monologue. I've touched upon all the things that are here on my little post-it note. Strider has done all the things, and then some. I think we're just going to enjoy the rest of this walk. Because as I said, it is a beautiful night. It's a nice night for a walk. And yes, I did just make a reference to one of my own songs. Thank you all for being so cool and understanding about the shortening of the season. And for being such avid, lovely listeners. I really appreciate you and the opportunity to talk to you every couple of weeks. Bring you new and exciting people that I get to talk to and meet myself and to create new songs with them for you. It really is a pleasure, and it's something I do not take for granted for even one second. So thank you, and enjoy episode 91 of Something New, which is my NYU talk, aptly entitled Podcasting Theatrically. From Prospect Park in Brooklyn, this is Joel B. New and Strider saying thank you for dropping by for Something New. Thank you. <laughs> As I said, uh, this is podcasting theatrically. A little bit more about me. Uh, cycle 15, so I graduated in 2006. Um, I was words and music. And um, I launched my podcast, uh, which is called Something New, in 2012. And, uh, yeah, when you have a last name like New, it's really hard not to. You kind of just, you just, I mean, like, people expect it. People would be very surprised if um, I didn't use it. So I launched this in 2012, and I'll explain why and how, which is why you're here today. Let's see, I guess during the second or third season, I do seasons in my podcast instead of year-round. It seems less uh, daunting to me. Um, As you can see, I'm actually podcasting this right now. So this is going to be my next episode. So this is season five, episode five. So you're part of the podcast now. (laughs) Too late. Uh, I guess like season two or season three, Broadway World included me on their list of top 20 podcasts for theater people, uh, which is really nice. And I'm actually starting a second podcast this summer that's all about uh, a specific project that I'm working on, like a specific musical that we're going to be doing as a radio play through the podcast. And I'm doing that because I've learned so much about it from this show, which we'll talk about today. Um, Let's see. Does everyone know what a podcast is? Okay, great. Then we can skip that part. But I like to think of it, it's it's something that can inform or entertain, or hopefully both. And with my podcast, which is the one I'm going to be citing all the time, because that's the only one I made. Um, (laughs) So so all my examples will be from my own uh, point of view. Um, Hopefully mine does both. Basically, it's your own radio show. Like, you have, it's on on your own channel. You, um, you know, it's a great opportunity to say, yes to yourself like no one can really say no you can't make a podcast um you can't air it you can't put it out there no you can uh which is great because as some of you've been in the field a while now like 
you know, you hear you hear no more than hear you hear yes out there. And so, like, I feel feel like the more opportunities that you can make to say yes for and to yourself, the better. Um, it makes it easier to keep going. Um, other theater podcasts uh, that I know and like, uh, there's the Ensemblist, which is uh, Nikki Graf Lanzaroni and Mo Brady. Um, they interview people st- specifically who are in Broadway ensembles and talk about their process. Um, and it's a word they coined themselves, Ensemblist. And uh, that show's going really, really well. Uh, there are theater review shows like Maximu, where they get a roundtable of theater critics um, who talk about shows that they've seen in the last season or what's coming up. Uh, it's a really creative outlet as well. Uh, there's the set list, where actually the, the guy goes and interviews the artist and then records their whole concert and then uh, re-airs like, uh, highlights of it, which is another cool thing. Uh, there's Broadway Backstory, which is Patrick Hines' show that he's doing with... Oh, what's that ticket thing? What's the ticket app that everyone's using right Today now? Ticks. Today Ticks. And, um, and so like he d- d- deep dives into these Broadway shows and talks about like the complete... Back- it's like a VH1 behind the music type of thing. And like he's done uh, Fun Home and Legally Blonde, the Spring Awakening revival, uh, Spelling Bee. Uh, so that's, that's another outlet for using a podcast for theater. And then there's, there's shows like mine, which is something new. And what I do is I interview theater artists that do more than one thing. So I'm talking mostly to musical theater performers that also, you know, for example, do photography or coach dialects or teach Pilates or they direct as well. And we talk about um, those parallel career paths and why they never really said no to themselves and uh, which is good. Which I, I think you know, I'm you know, I created it so uh, because I don't know about you, but as I was growing up, a lot of people would say, you know, if you can imagine yourself doing anything else, you should probably go do that and give this thing up. And I've just found that to be so fundamentally wrong as a human being, as an artist. I feel like the more uh, you're exposed to and the more things you try, the richer your other art is going to be. And, um, and I found that even true for myself as a musical theater writer who started podcasting. And, um, and like my first avenue, like most people, was performing. So I went from performance to writing to podcasting. And now I'm performing my own work again. And so it's a nice uh, circle of life, if you will. So I interview these artists. And, um, and then at the end of the episode, I'll have written something either from a project that I'm working on and or something that's catered specifically for my artist who I'm interviewing. So then they'll premiere a brand new song. And some of them, like uh, I had Michael Casera on the show. He's a casting director. And he used to be a performer back in the day. Hi, Michael. <laughs> and he, um, he hasn't sung publicly in like a long time. And so it's uh, so it's it's an interesting exercise for me too, because I'm I'm working with people who haven't maybe used that muscle in a while or haven't used it as regularly or have taken it as seriously in a while. And so it's a nice, um, it's a nice, you know, I'll let's talk about you and then you can do something for me and everyone gets to go home happy with a nice little product to, uh, to share with the world. So uh, some benefits of podcasting specifically for theater people, I think um, it's basically like a radio play. Um, If you, you know, and there are, you know, like theater plays that are being done in a, like a serial episodic format, uh, which is something that I'll be doing with one of my shows in the summer. Um, and it, so a- as such, and I've actually written a radio musical for my podcast, it's going to force you to use your words as important, like your words are more important than ever because there's nothing visual, um, there's nothing, I don't know, I try to avoid having stage directions read out loud um, in the podcast format. It, it kind of takes you out of it. So, I mean, like, it really m- makes you depend more on your words and your storytelling. And so I think that has made me a stronger writer. Um, I find it very empowering, like, as I said, like, as saying yes um, to this thing. It's my show. I can do whatever I want with it, and I have. And you could, too, if podcasting is something that's... Uh, sounds enticing to you. Um, it's free for your listeners. It's a completely free product that you're giving people. Um, and you can create it as regularly as you want, as long as you want, as much content as you want. Um, and so it's something as 
Whereas if you're doing a concert and there's the ticket price and there's often a true drink minimum, um, you know, you're asking a lot of your fans, which you should because you're talented and you're, you know, your talent deserves to be fed. But also um, to give them this other thing that is free, it gives, uh, it gives your listeners and your, pers- your future potential audience an avenue into hearing what you're working on and what you're doing um, that really doesn't ask a lot of them except their time. Um, it gives you, it's given me a, a wider audience reach for sure. You know, podcasts are national and international. Um, I get, I have people listening in Alaska. I've got, um, people live listening in, in Europe. Uh, it's a really cool way to expand your, uh, your niche and your audience, because as we know, you know, musical theater is alive and well throughout the country and not just New York. And so, I mean, like, as, as a New York transplant, like, I'm from Nebraska, you know? We have musicals in Nebraska, you guys. It's true. So um, so it's a great way to just uh, reach a wider audience. And so then when those people do come visit or they're getting their degree in... I got my first degree at Oklahoma City University in their music program. And, you know, there's hopefully a student there listening who's going to move to New York in three to four years and they're already going to know what I'm working on. And so then that can help start a conversation as well. Um, it's a great goal-setting tool and accountability because, I don't know about you, but if I know I have a guest coming over in a couple of days to not only interview them but also have them work on and premiere a brand new song, I, I want to do well. And, and I have to finish it. You have to finish it. <laughs> so... Um, so it really it, it kind of it, it streamlines the the creative process so that you can um, finish what you start. Um, it's also a more consistent creative output for public consumption um, because producing a concert or reading or production is so expensive, and at this stage, a lot of it is self-funded, or you're kickstarting, or you're doing all the things uh, that make it an expensive. Endeavor, and so I found myself like being able to financially produce a concert like every six months, and I felt like I was constantly having to remind people that I'm here <laughs> and that this is what I'm doing. Please come, and so this gave my listeners and my fans a way to listen in on what I'm working on right now. Because if I'm working on a full-length musical, I can I've used my podcast in the past to show that arc as I'm working on it. So I'm like, blah, 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 you know, this is my guest, so-and-so. This is this character's I want song. And this is what, you know, and, like, they're listening to a draft, too. Like, they're listening to the creative process. They're listening to, you know, and if they come later to a concert, they're going to hear different words or, you know. um, They're going to hear one song, one uh, songstress's interpretation of it. And then they come and they, like, so they already feel like they're in on it, in a way. And, of course, uh, with social media, you're also posting photos of the podcast and you're um you know and you're taking selfies of you writing it and all that stuff so it's it's showing them it's another way to show consistently that you're you're making something and that you are here so it's not really adding another layer to the process it's just exposing your process um which you can do in a myriad of ways through you know a a youtube series or through your instagram stories things like that but i found podcasts as a lover of radio plays and audiobooks since I was a child remember the books were like the they would the ding and you turn the page like mm-hmm. I've been a fan of like the audio experience for a very long time um, so it, it made the most sense for me um, it also helps you reach out to more customers because we are in show business and you want people to invest in your art and invest in your future um, so most of the songs that I premiere on my podcast are also on sale uh, in my sheet music store. So if it's a you know someone getting their bachelor's in musical theater performance at Oklahoma City University and they hear a song they like and they know not everyone is singing this yet, uh, especially if you're not in New York and you're living in somewhere like Oklahoma, um, you're going to want to purchase that song and now and you can for you know a fraction of the price that some of those musical theater writing websites uh, charge you. So, I mean, so I, I kind of have that advantage as well. And it's, um, you know, I'm not making a ton of money on it, but it's, you know, it, it, it helps, you know. I've, I've paid for some coffee with it. <laughs> and then, like, another benefit that I found of podcasting is that 
Uh, it's an opportunity for it not to be all about you. Um, because you are, you know, I am saying something, like I have a platform where I'm explaining to people you are allowed to say yes. I'm encouraging, inviting people to say yes to their uh, creative, uh, artistic impulses. And so, like, I'm, I'm giving them a message, and I'm giving my, uh, my guests a platform so they can talk about what they're passionate about. And, you know, you, your listeners will learn something from them. You're going to learn something from your listeners. It's going to make you a richer and more informed artist and human being. So, I mean... You know, I don't know how many of you have writing partners, but like I tend to write alone, and so like I'm in a room at a piano by myself a lot of the time. So it gets it can get lonely if you let it. it. You know, it's a very isolated art form until you bring in a creative team and an audience and a cast. Um, so podcasting is one of my ways that like I can reach out more consistently and um, and feel that I'm making something and I'm making an impact. So those are some of the benefits of podcasting for theater do you guys have any questions off the bat it's okay if you don't i, I have so many i don't know where to start oh my god okay <laughs> um i mean one of them that came to mind is so if, you, if you're sharing drafts of your work as you're writing them mm-hmm. do you i mean first of all that's incredibly brave to be sharing things that aren't finished thanks um but do you do you worry about sharing that so publicly um, and that it, with, with podcasting, it's kind of like out there on the internet, uh, even once you've rewritten the song eventually, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. like you can you can pick and choose what stays online. Right. Um, you know, I can I can pull an episode if I want, uh, but I choose to keep them all out there. At least I have so far. Um, it's a good question. I mean, I've I've not been that worried about it because. What it also does, it it forces you to be pretty prolific. I mean, <laughs> I've been at this for five years. This yeah. is episode 91, which means I've written almost like 100 original songs that have premiered on this podcast. And so, like, I'm a little less precious about it than I was when I first got out of grad school, where, like, I I've really worked on every word and every note. And now it's just kind of like, all right, this is the impulse. We're going to, we're going to sketch and do the skeleton and everything that we were taught to here (laughs) at the graduate musical theater writing program. But, um, but I'm just going to not be as precious about it. So it's just, it, it's really a test of ego, I think. And, you know, I don't disclaim that it's a draft, but I do let everyone know this is the first pass. And um, usually I'll have written the song like a week before I meet with the person to record it. Um, so, and then, and also like I'm working with really smart guest artists who understand that. And so like, I'll have, I had Farah Alvin on, who's a, an amazing Broadway actress, like a big friend of, of the program. Uh, but she also, uh, is a holistic counselor, like health, like healthy eating and things like that. And so, um, so she's a really smart cookie. And so she comes in, she's seeing a, a, a song that's like in like infant form and I'm, and I'm like, all right, let's let's see what happens. And more often than not, they're going to ask some really smart questions before I'm fully married to what's on the page. So we col- we collaborate. It's another reason that the podcast system works for me. So like, I'm collaborating very early with performers who, like me, are just following their gut impulses on something that's new. And so even by the end of the episode, we basically have a new draft. Um, so it's it's adding a collaborator at a very early stage of the song, and um, which I have found exciting so far. How does one start a podcast? Good question. Um, well, I think one of the first things you need to do is uh, come up with an idea <laughs> that makes your show unique. Uh, just interviewing people isn't enough unless you're Mark Marin um, or someone of that ilk and uh, caliber. So for me, it was finding that inside of... Because I wanted to show people that I was working on stuff, and I wanted to interview people because I knew I liked that process. And so then I like I found my hook, and I was like, oh, I'm going to interview artists that do this other thing. Um, and so that was my way in. Uh, like just, just like songwriting, you've got to have a very compelling hook. And, um, and that definitely applies to podcasting. Um, another thing that I think is really important as you're starting out is being on brand. Uh, whatever that means for you, uh, make sure that it's going to align with your long-term goals and projects. 
Um, for me, I always wanted something new to be complementary of the work that I was like really doing. You know, my goal is to finish musical theater stage projects and have them developed and then eventually produced. And so this needed to not get in the way of that. Um, and I've told people, I'm like, I will stop the podcast the moment it gets in the way or I get bored. And thankfully, I haven't, n- neither has happened yet. <laughs> um, but it's, it's important to me that it aligns with what I'm working on and also aligns with my aesthetic. Like, and that's not to say that all of my shows have to have this specific sound, blah, blah, blah. But, like, they kind of do. I mean, like, I, ha- I have a very specific point of view and, like, you know, my music lives in, like, one of four worlds or some mashup of the four. And, um, and I know who I think or I would like my audience to be for my projects. So I'm going to let that influence who I think my podcast audience is going to be. So, like, I'm from Nebraska. I grew up in a Catholic conservative family. Um, and, you know, I wasn't allowed to listen to anything that had, like, four-letter words on it for a long time. So I'm playing my podcast for, like, 16-year-old Joel in Nebraska in 2017. So, like, I'll let my guests say whatever they want, but I actually do bleep any uh, four-letter words. So I can say f*** here, but later I'm going to bleep that. <laughs> which I, is actually a really funny like, fun exercise for me I enjoy it it's like you know you feel like you're a censor because you are um, so, so I know so I know that about me like I want I want my you know it's like kid tested mother approved like that's what I want for my podcast and so that's that's part of like my brand I guess uh, so know what yours is if yours is like full of filth and dirty words and you know you're talking about I, I don't I don't even now but um you know that should that should be evocative and that should be provocative and indicative here in your podcast because why not why shouldn't it sound the same thing um also like what what do you have to say you know like this became my platform to let artists let themselves say yes more often um but like what specifically would you have to say? Because it's not you speaking necessarily through your project anymore, because we as writers get to hide behind our shows and be like, here's what we're trying to say. Or, you know, or has that ever happened to you where someone has listened to a song or a show of yours and they're like, isn't this about blah, 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 blah. Yes. And you're, <laughs> and you kind of have to smile and nod and, and say, Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I'm so glad you found that out, you know. Um, but this, you don't really have that veil, you know. It's, it's what do you have to say as a person? And I think um, that's really important, and that's going to deepen your understanding of yourself and of, of your artistry, and it's just going to make you better. Um, I would also say when you're starting, um, be, give yourself permission to, exper- to experiment as you go. Um, like at one point, I saw that... Qu- uh, my guests were liking... Oh, I gave someone, like, a random, like... Oh, I had my friend Edmund Bagnell on the show, who's in this string pop boy band cor- string quartet called uh, Well Strong. And um, he was on the show, and I thought it'd be funny to, like, give him, like, a teen beat quiz type of thing, <laughs> like, that you would give Donny Osmond back in the day. <laughs> uh, or in or sync for trying to get a little more up-to-date... And um, <laughs> and um, and he really enjoyed that, and my listeners seemed to enjoy that too. So I started to like add this quiz into all of my episodes, like a different weird quiz, and it just started to, like take up more and more time of the episode. And then my guests also started to anticipate it and be like, "When are we getting to the quiz?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's not really what the show is supposed to be about." Okay, we need to we need to back off and take the quiz out. Um, so please experiment as you go, but like definitely start with a structured format. I mean, just like, just like a song, you know, have the structure, but then if it's telling you, you need a second bridge, you know, you probably should listen to it. Um, going back a few bullet points, like, like decide who your ideal listener is. Um, this should be the same person that you want to see your shows. So if that is, you know, a bunch of, tweens or if it's a bunch of people in their 60s or you want both good luck uh but but you should have an idea like you should see i mean you know just like in your shows you should you should see you should see who your audience is or like have a good or guess i mean because who knows no, no one knows anything um and then like the basics you know you're gonna have to have uh a name for your show a logo i'm actually start passing some stuff out I have a handout, you guys. 
So this is a handy-dandy list of the basics, um, some equipment that I use, um, some recommendations on podcast hosts, directories, other resources, and we'll talk about all that as we go. Um, so yeah, you want to have a title and a description. You'll need that for iTunes and any other podcast directory that you want to submit your show to, because that you do have to submit it. It's not automatically approved by iTunes and other uh, directories. So as you have that, um, make sure that you keep returning to that and remembering why and how you started the show in the first place. But just like writing a show, like you know. Like, this is my elevator pitch, and if it starts to not align with that anymore, like, one of them has to change. Um, you're going to have to have artwork of your podcast. Like, they're, they'll give you very specific, uh, like, the dimensions and the quality and things like that. Things to avoid in artwork are having, like, too much text in it. You know, people like to have, like, the graphic. Um, if the podcast is really about you and your point of view, you know, Maybe your picture is part of it. Um, but it should be something that, like, you look at it and immediately you have an idea of what that's going to be about. Um, mine is um, a little cartoon of me at the piano, and it says something new, and there's some music notes and things like that. So it's um, it's cute. I hired someone to draw it for me because I love cartoons, and the idea of making myself a cartoon was very appealing. So um, so that that called to me. Um, another thing to avoid in your logo, I would say, are, like, obvious things like a microphone, you know, you don't want, or, like, a picture of a radio, or something that looks like you, you know, ripped it off from, like, just a Google search or something, like, what does a podcast logo look like? Um, you know, and then you get theme music, which is kind of cool. Like, we already have that built into our DNA to create our own theme music. I think it's a really important thing, especially as musical theater writers, why wouldn't you have a theme song? Um, what mine was, my original idea was that the theme song was going to change every episode to mimic the song that was going to be premiered at the end of the episode. And I was like, ah, got it. And then... Um, and then I think I got lazy, and um, and I just like kept the first one like the whole time. I was like, I was like, you know what? That that sounds about right. That fi- yeah, it sounded it sounded like a lot of work, right? And I was I was like, you know what? We're gonna keep this consistent. This is a you know this has got like a nice drive to it. Blah blah. blah. It's you know it's just like a little you know it it it's got it moving. It's got people you know. I don't know. So it, it worked for me. So that, that's a really cool plus that we have as musical theater writers, that we can write our own theme music and we don't have to pay anybody. Um, <laughs> uh, another thing to consider as you're starting, like definitely decide your episode length and your release frequency. Um, podcasts can be... I've, I've listened to some that are three minutes long. I've listened to some that are an hour and a half long. It really depends on your format, what you're trying to accomplish in your podcast. Um... And then your release frequency. Like, some people do once a week, every other week, um, every day. I don't know. Um, every couple of months, whenever, it, whenever the whimsy strikes them. On joelbaynew.com, you can access the Something New archive by clicking on the podcast tab. There, you'll find all 91 episodes, featuring conversations and performances with friends and colleagues in the theater industry, including fellow podcaster Nika Graf-Lanzaroni. We we (laughs) tended to sort of tweet the same kinds of nerdy things. We're both obsessively early people, and we both listen to a lot of podcasts. And one day, he direct messaged me and said, I have an idea. Can we have lunch? And I said, of course. And it was sort of, it sprung fully formed from our brains then. Um, I release nine months out of the year. Uh, like, I do it like school. And so it's nine months, and I release an episode every other week. So it's 18 episodes. Um, Twelve of those are interviews, and then the other six are, like, specialty episodes. Like, I'll have written, like, a specific full or, like, 20-minute piece for the podcast, or I'll have a roundtable, or I'll do a clip show, or there's the season finale, which is always, like, a live concert. Um, so having those ideas and letting those ideas go as you go um, is really important. Like, I didn't have the idea for the clip show until, again, I was, I think I was feeling lazy or didn't have a guest or something, and I was like, I was like, 
I was like, I know, I'll, I'll do a clip show of like all the female songwriters that I've interviewed because it turned out I'd interviewed like three of them. So I was like, all right, well, clip show. Um, so decide how often you're going to release episodes. Um, I knew for me that if I made this like a year-round endeavor, I personally would come to resent it very quickly. Um, and I knew that it would start to feel like it was getting in the way of the other thing that is the main event in my life, which is writing musicals. Um, yeah. So then, but then once you have that, you decide on like your length and your frequency, um, stick with it until it tells you not to. Like my first season, I think the episodes were like 20 minutes long. And I found out that my, my, uh, guests actually had more to say. So I started letting them be about 45 minutes long. And that's, I've also think that's like a good healthy between 20 and 45 minutes is like, that's like subway commute. You know, you start, you think about that and it's, it's like, all right, well this person, like the time they get to work, they'll listen to the whole episode or at least half of it, like part one. Um, so just like things to think about, like think about where your people are probably going to be listening to this. Um, choosing a podcast hosting service. So, um, so I think there is definitely a misconception of what iTunes is out there in general. Like, iTunes podcasting, um, like, your podcast doesn't actually live in iTunes. iTunes is a directory. So it's actually pulling from your source, from your host. And so you pay a host to host your podcast. Um, and then directories like iTunes and TuneIn and Stitcher pull. Um, what I use, which I've used all five seasons now, is buzzsprout.com. Um, they do have a free plan. Um, you can upload up to two hours a month. Um, there's no overage, so if you if you try to upload two hours in one minute, they're not going to let you. Um, and But then the, the catch there is that the episodes are deleted after 90 days. So if you want to build an archive or if you want your art, your guests to be able to like point back to it when they're trying to, you know, get work or fans or whatever. And it's not there anymore. You know, it, it all depends on what your, you know, what your goal is. Um, so for me, what I do, it's the cheapest plan they have. It's $12 a month. Um, I get three hours a month, which I only use maybe half of. Um, so I never go over, but if you do, they'll just charge you like $4 extra a month or something. It's not, it, it's nominal. And all your episodes are kept. So, like, all 91 ep episodes of mine are out there in the world, for better or worse. Um, there are other... Yes? So, so that podcast host, Buzzsprout, they're the ones who take care of distribution to the, the directories for you. They... You can... I know you can apply to iTunes through them now. So yeah. you make choices about I do choose, yeah. And, like, that's, like, Buzzsprout, like, that fourth little bullet point there like that's a list of all the podcast directories that buzzsprout knows about and recommends there are of course numerous lists out there uh but Except that i heard your podcast on um beyond pop really yes how did it get maybe i maybe i applied <laughs> you know there's just you know those days where you're like like i'm just gonna make sure i'm on all the podcast networks blah 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 i mean i probably did is that an easy thing to do um it's a pretty they're all pretty easy applications they are applications um itunes uh they'll let you know yes or no i think within like 24 hours or something like that it's not very rigorous um uh, but they they can say no um but but yeah it is a process yeah so no it is not choose all there's no <laughs> um there's some other ones out there like soundcloud has developed one uh, Podbean, I know uh, the Ensemblist uses them. Libsyn, I know that they don't have a no-pay option. Uh, a lot of people use those. And Amazon has, has gotten on the podcast bandwagon as well. There's tons of other hosts, you know, but I, I know what I know, which is Buzzsprout. Um, they're super responsive. Whenever I have, like, a technical issue or whatever, once one of my episodes, uh, like, cut off with, like, three minutes left... And I, I, was, I was like, oh, here's the real version. Can you switch them out? And I didn't want to lose the download numbers. I didn't want to lose my stats. So, um, and so they were able to just like swap it out and I didn't lose anything. And uh, my website, joelbenew.com, is, uh, is Squarespace. And, you know, I didn't really know how to embed my podcast on Squarespace. And so like they did it for me, which was really nice. Like I tweeted to them and they were like, 
we'll help you out. So, I mean, like, they're super responsive. Um, I can't say enough nice things about them. Buzzsprout. As you're getting ready to launch your podcast, um, there there's a thing on iTunes called New and Noteworthy. Have you guys seen that section? Mm-hmm. Is it named after you? It is not. <laughs> it is not. I wish. I wish. Yeah. Right. Right. So new the new and noteworthy section is your opportunity to really shine on iTunes as you're getting your show out there. And so um, your eligibility for that is very brief. It's an eight-week window, like once your show gets approved. So as you're applying, make sure that you're ready to release episodes, like that day. Um, What I recommend, uh, what helps people is, like, release at least, like, three episodes on your launch day. So they're not just, like, getting that one so that they can binge if they choose to. And that ups your numbers. And um, what iTunes takes into account is, like, your number of subscribers, which they won't tell you, which is weird. Like, they won't tell you, like, uh, yeah, like, Buzzsprout does a good job of, like, what they can do is they can tell you how many times your episode has been downloaded. Um, you know, it could be your mom has listened to it 500 times, <laughs> but, you know, and they they can't tell you that, but they can tell you things like, this is the percentage of people who listen to it on a phone, on an iPad, on a desktop, um, in what countries and areas i'm pretty sure um and they can also tell you on average how many people they expect to listen to the next episode and so that's that's helpful ish i mean you don't feel like you're just like talking to a vacuum um or in one so so that's helpful but itunes takes into account download subscribers um reviews and ratings like they really like those five star ratings it's how you get noticed more the more people who are rating it uh the more up in the chart you'll go for them so how do you get people to rate and review your show other than it being an awesome show um you know one thing i do is i try to incentivize my listeners right now i have a, uh, a contest going on where um if you rate or review the show um, now between between now and like early June, uh, your name goes into a hat. At the end of the sweepstakes, um, you'll get a free something new coffee mug, which uh, I give to all of my guests. So it's like an exclusive thing that only my guests get. And then every once in a while, when I have a contest, uh, a listener gets one. So like, there's there's ways there's ways to you know you get something, I get something. Um, how to find podcast guests i'm gonna be honest like my first season season and a half was like friends it was you know artists that like i liked and admired and i knew i wouldn't mind spending a lot of time with them and um and also like they lived down the street so it was easy um so that lasted me a while until you know you're like all right i think i kind of need to expand like more people are listening i need you know and like i need more exposure i need more i just need more so um, what I started to do was I would reach out to past guests and be like, do you know anyone who would make a good podcast guest? And like more often than not, like uh, a guest like mine has like-minded friends who do more than one thing as well. And so those people, and then like over the years, I've asked those people who they know. I always go to like the previous season to ask. And so now I'm at the point where unless I have someone really specific that I want to interview um, like last season, I got to I got to meet and interview Michael Arden, which was really cool. Um, I'm meeting I'm often meeting people for the first time now, which is really cool. Like I'll have listened to them sing online, and we've done some email exchanging. But like, I just interviewed Ben Coleman, who's the literary supervisor for Sam French, and I've never met him. Super nice guy. Hi Ben. Um, yeah, so that's just that's my that's my tip to you to you know to to start with the pool that you know, and um, and then. Don't be afraid to expand beyond those pools into their pools. Because that's what it's all about. It's all about cross-pollination, in my opinion. Um, If you look on the back of your page, um, this is a lovely email I got from Howard Sherman back in 2012 when I was starting my podcast. Um, If any of you know the American Theater Wing Downstage Center podcast from back in the day, he was uh, one of the co-hosts. I loved that podcast too. Taught me everything I knew about theater. Right? Yeah, it's so good. Um, and so I wrote him on like howardsherman.com and I was like, look, I'm a fan. I'm starting my own podcast. Do you have any advice? And that's what he gave me, um, which I now give to you to use for uh, your own purposes. 
nefarious or otherwise. And, um, yeah, it's just great interview tips. I mean, some of the things that I really enjoyed that he said were, you know, um, I don't know if this is on the page, but, like, he said to avoid yes-no questions because you want to have a conversation. And sometimes, especially as the, the interview is warming up, um, if you just ask them a yes-no question you just get a yes-no, then it becomes a struggle, and now you're pulling teeth, and you have to... So the, there are ways to ask a yes-no question that don't need that answer. Um, another thing he said, like, he says be prepared, uh, but, like, he didn't write down questions unless he was meeting Sondheim. I, I tend... I tell myself to write down at least five questions, um, but be prepared. Like, if you see them being interested in one conversation and they want to go in that direction, you should let them, because it's going to be such a better interview and better episode for your listeners if you just go with that flow. Be able and prepared to bring them back if they lose their train of thought or um, or if they're really going on a tangent and all of a sudden they're talking I don't know about politics or something and you're like alright we need to bring it back because this is the again going back to like knowing who your listener is knowing what you're trying to say with your podcast um, you know being able to bring them back uh, is, is a really really important skill to develop which it honestly it took me a while it took me a while to figure it out and I think maybe having shorter interviews in the beginning was helpful because it helped help build those muscles. Um, what equipment do you need? Well, you've got it all right there. You actually see what I use right here. Um, you know, I have, I use a MacBook. Uh, this is Logic that I record on. You actually see. That is my voice being recorded right now, um, which is really fun to watch. Um, so yeah, I use that. Um, I have a USB audio interface. Um, this one holds two microphones, one for me, one for my guest. Or um, when we're doing the song, I give one to the piano and one to the singer. So they're still in the same room. It was important to me that the song portion of my ep- episodes felt like live theater. So like they're in the same room, but it still helps isolate all the same. Um, you know, this is just a US printer, a USB cable that goes into USB, super easy. Um, you know, this is a printer cable, very standard. These microphones are actually choir overhead microphones. Yeah, so you're t- uh, it came with two of them, and they're supposed to be, you know, like one up left, one up right, and then you get like a stereo sound. But you can use them as mono microphones instead of stereo so that you're hearing everybody through both ears. And uh, it was a really inexpensive solution to what was feeling like a very expensive problem. As you can see, I gave you links there. That, uh, this is uh, Behringer made these stereo mics. Uh, it's $60. Um, but especially, like, if you're going to make your own, if you're going to make homemade demos or anything, like, it's a really, I think, worthwhile uh, investment. Um, this little audio interface actually got used from my friend Mike Petri, who's also Cycle 15. Uh, but you can get the exact same one uh, for $99 on Amazon. Uh, they have them even with, like, four. So you can have four microphones. You can interview more than pe- more people at the same time. Uh, it's great. Uh, let's see. Yeah, and this is, a, this is a pop filter. This, you know, everyone knows what pop filter is. It helps, um, you know, with the P's and the T's and kind of keeps, um, keeps it from popping. Um, these are super cheap. These are, like, $5 on Amazon. Like, it's... Not a big deal. Um, we talked about that, blah, blah, blah. Um, I recommend getting, like, a, a long USB printer cable. You don't know how far away your performers are going to be from your computer. Um, so, I mean, I knew what today's setup was, so I brought a, a baby cable. Um, you know, they do make desk microphone stands. So, like, you're sitting, and you've got one right there at mouth level that even have, like, a built-in uh, baby pop filter as well. And those are, like, $10 on Amazon. Um, like this, um, I mean, I brought this one because I knew I'd be standing. Um, and like, this is super lightweight. I don't remember how much I paid for it. Um, another really helpful tool is because sometimes my guests, uh, I interviewed Marion Abbott, who runs a theater company in Canada called Confidential Musical Theater Project, uh, where she, um, she'll assemble a group of actors and, um, they, they all like rehearse on their own. And then that day, they all find out who the cast is, and the audience doesn't know what musical they're going to listen to until they sit down and the first chord is played. 
it's a really cool thing that she's doing. Like, she's a mover and a shaker. Look her up. Marion Abbott. Like, I've been pushing her to get into uh, new work. So hopefully she's listening. Uh, but obviously I couldn't, like, go hang with her. But, like, I really respected what she was doing. So so we Skyped. We used Skype. And there's a really handy uh, software application called Audio Hijack Pro. And for $49, you can download it, and it lets you record your Skype conversations as an MP3. And then you can just drag and drop into your logic and um, edit as you see fit. Um, editing is super important on uh, in interviews because sometimes there's going to be dramatic pauses. Sometimes you're going to ask a stupid question. Sometimes they're going to get a stupid answer. Or they'll say, can I start over? You know, and I want my guests to feel as comfortable as possible. So we, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Um, or if they later, I had a guest who came on who was, he's like, he's like, actually, I shouldn't have dropped that name that I did. He's like, so can we take that out? And I was like, absolutely. Um, so learning those skills, it's also going to help you be a better uh, demo recorder, a homemade demo recorder, because you'll learn those skills really quickly. I mean, even though I pride myself on the songs being all um, through sung. You know, there are times where we can't get through the whole song, like we do due to time restraints, due to vocal fatigue, due to any number of reasons. And I've also done it where I've had I've had ensemble work on the podcast where like the ensemble and the soloist couldn't come at the same time. And so, you know, developing those skills where you can s- somewhat seamlessly go from this take to that take, especially like in a live setting, uh, is a skill that has served me really well. Recording spaces. Um, there are a lot of hidden gems in the city. Um, you know, recording out of your home is great because it's free. Um, you know, I don't recommend inviting strangers to your home unless it's like a really nice home and and convenient. You know, I live in like deep recesses of Brooklyn. I'm not going to ask Michael Arden to come over. Um, you know, unless he's into that. But um, but there are other record. You know, there are great recording spaces. Any rehearsal studio really. Um, I find for, you know, like I use Shetler and Pearl and Ripley Greer. And um, I think Ripley Greer even has like um, like a voiceover booth that you can rent, I think, for like $40 an hour or something. Um, it doesn't have a piano or anything in it. It would be great purely for, uh, for voice on voice. The Dramatist Guild, if you are a member, if you're not, I highly recommend joining the guilds. Like they've helped me so much. The Dramatist Guild has a room, uh, the Mary Rogers room in their space, and um, it is currently, they're, they're trying to find more spa- uses for it for members. Beautiful room that's got a grand piano in it. It's um, I'm pretty sure it's soundproof. It's, you know, it's at the Dramatist Guild, so like I interviewed Significant Other, and I wanted to impress them, <laughs> and so um, so I invited them to the Dramatist Guild, and I was like, we're in the Mary Rogers room, yeah. and um, and they felt they felt fancy, I felt fancy, and that's what it's all about. Uh, and then another great resource, if you don't know about it, is the Dramatist Guild Fund. Uh, they have a music hall salon type space, and that is free. You can book that space. It books about a month or two in advance now because everyone's been been made aware of it maybe because of my podcast um but you can it's it's a free beautiful space that you can use for readings recitals um podcasting it's great it's it also has a grand piano it's aaron's and flaherty's steinway um you know guests feel very impressed by that as well so like and that's free that's free it's crazy um so yeah just be inventive about your locations and never be afraid to ask because i wouldn't have known about the mary rogers room unless I had asked, unless I just like contacted the fund, and I was like, hey, the music hall is booked. Do you have any other ideas? And they said, try the Mary Rogers room. And that's how I got it. And I think I was the first podcast that recorded in there, and now um, they've told me to be an advocate for it. And thank God I believe in it. Um, other things. Ooh, time. Time. Um, then once you have the podcast, then what? You have to promote it, just like a show. You have to tell people it exists. Um, things that I recommend you do, um, leverage your guests' audiences, uh, because hopefully you're, you're interviewing, you're interviewing interesting people, but hopefully they're also out there trying to make happen for themselves. So they've got an audience, they want their audience to know more about them. So, um, so engage their audience, make sure that they're letting their people know what's happening. I've had guests who've like given me an exclusive discount code. Social media is, for better or worse, your best friend. 
Um, that's one of the reasons I give my, po- my guests uh, the coffee mug that has the logo on it. So um, I'm like, no, on the day that it comes out, I need you to take a selfie with it and you use the hashtag something new podcast. And so that's, that's what most of them, most, most of them do it. Thank you, most of you who do it. And, um, and at the end, end of the season, like, I make a collage of everyone who had a coffee mug like doing the same basic action. And I don't know, it's, it's, I don't know, I like it. Find partners to mention you. I mean, like, you are not alone in this endeavor. There are, I mentioned like half a dozen theater podcasts. There are so many more. Um, you, can, you can cross over and things. Uh, there are so many niche podcasts out there. Like last year, I released my first album, which is called Cabot Cove, which was all uh, theater songs loosely inspired by Murder, She Wrote. There are podcasts out there dedicated to people who love Murder, She Wrote. And so I'm going to be a guest on one of their shows. Like that's, um, there, there's a whole podcast community out there. That's what I'm saying. You're not alone. Um, truly. Let's see. Um, you know, definitely work on your email list, you know, MailChimp, things like that. Uh, try not to inundate people's inboxes with your email blasts. You know, I try to do one like once, um, once a quarter is kind of how I feel, what I feel comfortable doing. Um, you know, press releases, you know, every theater website has, a has an editor's desk, uh, you know, Broadway World, Playbill, Theater Mania, all those people. Um, make sure you're, if you have a website, which you should, uh, embed your podcast onto your website so that you can just say, go to joelbnew.com and they can listen to it there. There's a link to iTunes, to Stitcher, to TuneIn. There's also a link to my Patreon so they can pay me if they want to. Um, you know, another great way to get onto theater websites is to give them an exclusive. Um, I have an exclusive with Broadway World where, um, they'll, they'll do a press release for every episode, um, but I've also started to videotape my song performances, and they exclusively release, release those. So, um, so I don't know, it's just another way to network and think outside the box and get your stuff out there and make sure that everyone feels like they're getting something um, other than your talent. I don't really know how to make money on my podcast uh, except for selling my wares, which I think is really what you want at the end of the day. You want people to like your music, respect it, and then you want them to buy it. So, I mean, like, there are sponsors out there. As If you listen to any podcasts, you know there's Casper and po- Stamps.com and uh, Me Undies, which I do wear. Um, <laughs> but there, you know, there are, um, th- there's tons of sponsors out there. Make sure that if you are going to look for sponsors, that it makes sense that you're advertising that. You know, um, sometimes I don't understand the non-sequitur nature of, uh, of the sponsors that podcasts choose. Um, you can do premium subscriptions if you say, oh, if you give me, if you pay me $25 through Patreon or whatever, you're going to get this exclusive content, these other bonus downloads, advanced ticket sales links, things like that. There are different ways that you can entice people to feel like they're getting more and that they're also part of the process. Again, it's not about making more work for yourself. It's about uh, giving them access to work that you're already doing. Um, other tools that I have there on your, on your handy-dandy work, uh, sheet... Um, all my sheet music is sold through repertoire.com and they like the percentage they keep is so minimal. I think it's a really honest exchange. Um, you can sell your own sheet music through Squarespace and stuff, but like someone's already doing it for you. And, uh, the guy who runs it, Tyson Armstrong is super sweet and nice, uh, lives in Australia, I believe. Um, let's see, there's canva.com. Have you heard of that? It's a, it's a great marketing tool. It's free. Like there are th- features on it that you can pay for. But, like, if you're trying to create a graphic uh, to promote a specific episode or you're trying to create a a poster for a concert or something like that, it's got free formats to make, like, specifically, like, uh, a Facebook cover page, Twitter. Like, it has all the formatting done for you so that you're dragging and dropping photos and text into, like, specifically made things that will fit perfectly into whatever you're using. So Canva is a godsend. Um, there's Buffer and Hootsuite, which are, you know, if you're like me, um, sometimes it's, it's pulling my own teeth to tweet about what I'm working on. So if you just kind of sit down for 20 minutes and just kind of do all of the tweeting and things, and then it lines it up and schedules it for you. So you could be at home watching Game of Thrones and, you know, like 20 minutes in, you tweeted about your show or you tweeted about something and you weren't even part of it at that moment um you know and they have free options too like i use buffer most of the time and like you can hook that up to your facebook your twitter your instagram 
Um, it's a really handy tool if you're like me. Uh, there are great websites out there for getting swag for your guests. I highly recommend it. It's not expensive. Uh, I think on average I'm spending about 4 or $5 on a coffee mug for my guests. Um, Vistaprint, Zazzle, Redbubble, these are all great websites, especially if you sign up for their newsletters. Like they're doing, they do sales constantly. So especially around like, you know, Black Friday and things like that, just watch and know when they're going to have those sales. And um, so then you're, you're, giving, you're, you're giving more and you're paying less. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for spending your Saturday afternoon with me here at uh, the Graduate Musical Theater Writing Program. Uh, this is Joel B. New saying thank you for dropping by for something new. Yeah.